I want to have a more authentic life, period. And I want to, if we really are equal, if we really are valuing of our differences, like how do we engage with not an expectation that I enter the room on my knees? So for those of you who are new to In Pursuit of Cross-Racial Friendship, I'm Jason. I'm Eva. And today we want to pick up on a thread that Jason started the last episode when he was, when he, um, in such the juicy way, uh, raised the topic of his, his thinking about being mediocre and having achieved a certain level of space within his institution because of his whiteness and probably maleness too. Um, and so that got me thinking about um, my own, like what am I thinking? And it was prompted, what we hope to cover today because it's prompted by a couple of um, social media engagements where folks were reaching out to me and I think they were reaching out in really a caring way and asking like whether I'm providing Jason um, like racial therapy um, and, and, and with the hopes and wonder of whether I was getting something from it. Um, and so like, first of all, like I, I would just am so enamored and just really in love with the people who will reach out to me and so plainly ask the question, right? And because I'm somebody who really appreciates the plainly said thing. And so like actually two people reached out. And so I thought for my, so I started thinking even more so in terms of what I'm getting from it. So perhaps we can do a check-in and um, where Jason, we can check in and then you can kind of um, fill in where what you're thinking about as a result of our conversation. And maybe I can do the same. Yeah, um, and so I'll do a check in in terms of what I'm getting from it right now, because okay. there's my it's like feels like little firecracker sparks happening in my brain almost every after almost every conversation. Um, but here's a here's what I think I I want to offer into the space by way of process. Why don't we hold space for each other and you to just kind of plainly say or express what it is that you're saying and let's remove the dialogue from it if that's okay yeah so that you can just occupy the space okay. and then um and then i'll do that too or okay. you know I, I you know me it's like i always want you to go first because <laughs> sometimes i say things and then you're like jaws dropped and then i'm, I'm expecting you to like pick up so i'm <laughs> so, so um so does how does that feel that feels really good all right so let's play along. So here's the question I want to ask you. Um, and so, um, so, you know, we're just checking in on our friends, checking in as friends in pursuit of cross-racial friendship, right? So what's coming forward for you from our last conversations we've had so far? and maybe what's standing out 
as an opportunity as we navigate this desire to have authentic, real friendship? A couple of things are coming up for me. Um, the, the first is that the feeling of superiority that's been ever present in my, the way that I observe and interact with black people or indigenous people or people of color, including you, um, is almost non-existent in the way it used to be. I have no doubt that I still have behaviors that are based in a belief of me being superior, being white, but I no longer have the underlying conscious thought that used to um, just, just be there every time that I interacted um, with a person of color. And so that's really opened up that, that idea of not being better than, which was ingrained in me um, through many, many avenues, whether, I mean, just our like media and stuff, but also family and school and um, has really made me question my, how, like, how good I really am at anything and how much, how much of my success is just based on white supremacy culture and the benefits that I get as a white man in our, our society, as opposed to the work that I've put into where I've gotten to be. And, um, and it's made me evaluate every aspect of what I've been praised for um, and rewarded for, uh, not just my professional work, but also as a musician, like it was relatively easy. Like I was a good piano player growing up. I started when I was four. And so I was just that kid that everyone was like, Jason's amazing. And, and to a certain extent I was, um, but I didn't work very hard at it. And um, I didn't need to because everyone just thought I was amazing. And um, kind of the same thing when I was a dancer, it was like, I was amazing. I didn't work really hard at it. And I personally, I don't know how much of this has to do with just me as a human being or because of white supremacy, but I, I am reflecting on, and this isn't the first time I've reflected on it, but it's the first time that it's starting to make sense to me. Um, reflecting on the fact that I used, I used the fact that I always had an excuse why I wasn't the best. So I, I um, because when I, if I played piano and I wasn't the best, then I was like, but I'm not really a pianist, I am a dancer. And when I was, a, if I danced and people were like, you aren't the best or I messed up, I'd be like, but I'm not really a dancer, I'm a musician. And, um, and then that's kind of come into my professional life. I, so I was given an opportunity. I think I'm a good facilitator. I think I do have innate skills to facilitate and hold space for other people. Um, and 
So I was given an opportunity to get into the work that you and I both where we met. And in that, because I'm an idea person, I had no history of following through and actually delivering on any of my ideas. But I've been given the opportunity to make my ideas a reality and have yet to really concretely make any of them a reality in the 10 years that I've been doing my job. Me saying that out loud, I never even, this is the first time I'm putting that together. Like putting together the fact that when I do my resume, I'm like, I don't really have anything for my resume. I don't have anything concrete, like any, you know, deliverables, anything that I, I went from A to B. I help things go from A to B. It's like I manage things and I have great ideas, but that, you can't put that on your resume. And so I always knew that, like I've always been struggling with that. But in this moment, as I'm, I'm, you're holding this space for me and I have the opportunity to really put words to it, it's, it's, um, it's the recognition that, I mean, the question that I have is, is it, uh, this is going to sound really dramatic, but it's the only way I know how to say it right now. Is it all a lie? Is my excellence a lie? So that's what I've been sitting with. Um, and it was magnified when I was on a, I was on a call um, for work with, an, with a company, a high-profile company, asking for the organization I work for to do some training for their staff. And their whole team, there were four of them, um, were all people of color, two black women, an Asian American woman, and a man who identified as uh, Latino. And in that moment, they were really so brilliant um, and should be doing the work. Like they're asking, I, I felt right away. Well, let me, let me take a step back and say that. Our conversations made me see in that conversation that there was nothing I had to offer them that they couldn't do on their own. And yet it was a professional call where I couldn't necessarily say that. So in my way, I said it. And I think I got the point across because I haven't heard from them. <laughs> and um, interestingly, the man on the call was ready to like, yes, this sounds amazing. And the women on the call said, well, I mean, we, we need to have a conversation. And I knew exactly because they heard the message I was trying to get through without saying, we're not, we, we don't have anything for you really. Um, we have this one thing for you. And if you think that's what you need, great. We, we can do that really well. Or I, you know, but if not, here's what I think I hear you're saying. And I want to reinf I literally said, I want to make sure you understand I hear what you're saying and that this might not be the fit for you. And so, and I haven't heard from them, but I got off that call and I was like, wow, those people, not wow, it's embarrassing to even say that. I, it, I shouldn't be shocked anymore. But the recognition is that, um, and this is not news to anyone who has, um, not white, I assume, is that all of those, the four people on that call probably could run circles around me 
in the work that I do and probably um, have worked 10 times harder to get there. And yet I have this title and this role and I do this work. So it was a humbling, this experience of you and I having the conversation and, and um, having these conversations is making me reflect in a way that goes deeper into my body and deeper into my, how things feel rather than at an intellectual level. And so how things are feeling is, um, oh wow, I don't, I don't, I shouldn't be taking up the space I've always assumed the world needed me to take. And that, so there's a liberation, there's a liberating feeling there because I don't feel like I have to have all the answers. Because I always, I really always did. I always felt like the world was looking to me to solve the problems. And so in that call, and I think in my conversations with you, it's making me realize there are people with, like, with the answers. And um, I can follow. So that's kind of, that's where I'm at at this point. And, um, and I really believe our conversations and have helped me get to this place. It's a pretty cool place. I mean, from my vantage point, from your vantage point, what is that feeling like? I feel like I can breathe. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I can breathe. So I'm curious about uh, what's your reaction to hearing me say all that? I'm going to try not to sound like a jerk. Um, I, but don't, I don't need to react. <laughs> oh, I know. And yeah. And um, when it's my turn to talk, you'll know why. Um, but I feel sort of relief that you are coming to that space or that to that um, awareness. Um, because it's important and because it's necessary for the industry that we work in. Mm. Industry sounds so messed up, but it is an industry at this point. Yeah. Right? Like this equity work, anti bias work, what insert whatever term is du jour. Um, but, but I'm also happy for you. Like I'm relieved for myself and for like other people of color, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and I'm happy for you because there's a little bit of bravery from seeking to or wanting to untether from a system that has provided you with so much. It's so counter everything. Right. Yeah. And yet, and yet it's denied you humanity, Jason, right? Like whiteness has denied you 
your own humanity. Yeah. And, and I will say, let me add really specifically to that point that our conversations have brought me closer to my fuller, fuller humanity, my full humanity than any, anything else I've ever done. Because in getting to know you and hear you, um, and, and what I fear, and, and I'll hold space for you, that, I mean, we're gonna, we're gonna transition so you can share. What my fear has always been, and I said this in the first episode, or like the third episode, what my fear is that this becomes Inform the White Guy, and this is all about me and my transformation, but I'm gonna own the transformation that has happened in just 10 conversations. And I'm, I'm really grateful for, just really grateful for it, so. Now you got me in my feelings. <laughs> so, me too, because I feel like um, it's my turn now, right? Yes, I'm my this is your space. Okay, so I feel I feel grateful for the people who care about me, who have been keeping me accountable to myself. Mm. Like they're sending me messages, like you know, like these these podcasts are great you know, like, it, you know, you, you've got me thinking and so on. And I want to make sure that you don't do it for other people, but you're doing it for yourself. Right. And so like, just thematically, like I, you know, like this, this thing that I do that I don't think is just about being a person of color, but it is because, you know, like I have, been raised to caretake for white people. Like I have to care about white people's feelings, white people's safety or perception of safety, white people's um, perception of their own power. I, I have to caretake to facilitate the empowerment for white people to do this work. And it's partly because of like the work just the nature of the work that I do, right? Like, cause I'm not like a grocery cashier where like there's really no interaction and I got to care for another specific set of things. But like the nature of my work is to translate or is to get buy-in. This is the crap, right? Like get buy-in. Like my job is to get buy-in from white people to do the thing as a person of color doing the thing that ultimately serves my own liberation. So I have to kind of get white people to want to liberate me and also liberate themselves once they really get into doing the work. Um, but I have to be so careful that so much of this caretaking really kind of seeps into the caretaking at work, right? And the caretaking of the subject matter right? Because liberation, social justice in the world is what I live for. And not just my own, but from my grandnieces, for like everybody, right? For you too. And so like, I do this caretaking because I know what the, what the cost is if we keep investing in the ways that we do into whiteness and patriarchy and oppressing queer people, you know, like all of the things, right? 
And so like I take on that pressure and I have recognized that that seeps into my interpersonal relationships with white people just in terms of friendship. It's part of the reason why I feel like there's some extra energy that I have to put into my personal time. Like if I were gonna invite you into my personal time, there's that piece. And like I, I autopilot, like oppression is, my internalized racism, my internalized oppression automatically defaults to your needs and i'll just name it right after i said to you like after like we even introduced the segment before and how i give the space to you first because i don't want to like put you in a position to be dropped on the jaw to drop it's like i already know and acknowledge that the things that i'm gonna say when i am truly in my authenticity even rooted in my integrity is going to be hard for you. And I'm trying to take care of you as though you do not have the capacity to handle it. And I say that with acknowledging that I don't have an expectation of your perfection because that's not where it's at for me. And you know what I mean? Like, I'm not trying to call you out and get a gotcha moment on you. It's just not cool, but it's also not nice. And it's not who I am. And, you know, like, you know, I love humans, period. Right? And, and I recognize how um, my version of authenticity is probably unique to me or, you, you know, different. Um, from the way you operate, you know, as a Connecticut white boy. Um, so, there, so like I recognize that, like, so these conversations are like really revealing to me the ways that I caretake. And I should just say that the people who are like checking in on me and were like, wow, this is literally a great podcast, yada, yada, and want to make sure, right? So like, they were like, kind of, you know, like, love you you know how somebody would hug you and kind of change your position on it <laughs> you know, I'm like yeah 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 or like you know like so like happy to see you and pull some toilet paper off your shoe you know what I'm saying? it's just like you know like i don't even think they realized that that was going on and i don't think that was their intention um but like ultimately that's what was one of the purposes that it's that it served um another area that i've been thinking much about as a result of our some of these conversations not all of them because there's like so these conversations have rippled for me in different ways and like they are ref like the stuff that you're saying has about your reflection about what you do has like revealed like for me like oh yeah you did do that yeah you are doing that right so like you know what i mean so like my caretaking, like there's stuff where it's like, I am almost centered on the most egregious stuff and like some of these subtle power things that happen, like don't even like, don't even like pop on the radar for me. And so like, I feel like these conversations have been putting things on the radar, then subsequent to our conversations, I'm looking at and peeping out game, like in other spaces, like my workspaces, my other spaces that my interactions with people and how, um, how certain people engage with me from a different racial space. Um, and that, so then I'm learning too that um, 
in the caretaking aspect and with regard to this kind of heightened awareness, heightened sense of knowing or like move from the unconscious knowing to the conscious knowing. I'm recognizing how much I rescind, I have um, really lowered the bar for white people to engage with me. You know what I mean? Like, I'm glad you're not a racist jerk. I'm glad that you're not like, you know, egregious offender, right? Like that's a bar that, you know, like it's higher than that. Right? <laughs> like, the bar is higher than that. But at the same time, it's like, I'm not requesting a space to be vulnerable. I'm not requesting that you engage with me so that I can heal from society, right? Because in many ways, you are representative of society. And so like, that's the stuff for me where I'm like, I'm giving up all this space in the relationship, right? Like think about that, right? I'm giving up space in the relationship. So like you, like, so maybe you and your needs are 70% and mine are 30. And because I've given up so much space, I'm not even going to like, and I know I got 30% to like, to, to, to deal with, maybe I'll vent on some surface issue, but I'm not talking about the pain. And so like, this has been like really evident for me, like in when, um, you know, all the, the recent spate of, or spate of violent things happening to black people and the kind of renewed awareness that people were having and the viral nature of it, yada, yada, unrest, protest, uprising. And I was getting emails from people, from white people just wanting to check in and, um, and check in on me and my husband. And, and, and I was just, and I'm still thinking about those calls, right? Like on the surface, very nice. Below the surface, Below the surface is about this occupation of space, right? Because they're asking me this and it, and it felt or it feels like, when I say feels like present tense, even though these emails happened months ago, because um, like I'm now like thinking about what audacity these, particularly these white people with whom I have a very shallow relationship feel entitled to a check-in from me as though I am ever going to express to them my pain or express to them any deep need that I have that they have never been proximate to me enough to fill. And again, like there's this like culture of niceness, hashtag whiteness, right? Where we, we, we engage in very shallow terms and we keep it shallow. We keep it shallow for a reason, right? Because like we are, this is, this is system management where we don't go below the surface. And so like, it's feeling like in retrospect, like, you know how I was talking about how I couldn't even watch the video of George Floyd. Mm -hmm. Um, being murdered and it felt like you know like 
like um, porn, like race porn or violence porn or murder porn. Um, and I feel like this is, this feels that if these emails, these rescinding, like this occupying this kind of space in my inbox felt like them, A, creating the space to like distinguish themselves from conscious bigots and B, like from a porn perspective, thinking that I might share a little bit of my pain so that they can hear it. You know what I mean? And it's kind of like, you know, the people who do charity, who do it with the intention, like I'm going to go and do that because it makes me feel so good. Oh, you should totally go and like serve meals. You'll feel so good afterwards. That's what it feels like. And so like, I have an awareness of how much I rescind this space. And because of my, like, my uh, DEI work and how I use and how I'm, how I'm willing to kind of offer a certain level of um, um, vulnerability. And it, it feels different than this podcast, right? Because I'm doing it not to the end for anybody else, but for us. But we feel like, you know, because we're in this space, we're like, if anybody can value it, then it's worth the investment of our time. So it's like, I'm not trading that for this. I'm just saying like the, the space that I occupy sometimes makes people feel entitled to, to my emotions or to my story or, right? And, but it's not for me. They're not doing it for me. And that's different, right? Like those emails were not for me, even if they think mm -hmm. on the surface that it was, right? And so... Um, you know, just that I'm thinking about you is enough, but the ones that were going like, you know, if you ever want to talk, you know, if you ever want to vent, come to me and I'm thinking, are you crazy? Mm -hmm. Like, get out of here with that. Mm -hmm. You know, so like, I feel like that I'm having a better or a raised consciousness about how much space I don't occupy in relationships with white people, even mm -hmm. though they're surface relationships. So even then, right, they're not equitable even then. Mm -hmm. Right. And I rescind the space because I don't have an expectation, a high expectation of white people. Mm -hmm. um, or, or the majority of white people with whom I engage in a quote friendly way. The other thing is that, you know, I am actively engaged in my self-liberation, right? Which is the reason why I would say the things that I'm saying out loud in public for anybody to have any kind of judgment that they want to have about it, right? And, I'm, and it's kind of like, hashtag, I said what I said. And if you have a question about it, like for sure, happy to engage, right? Yeah. And not that I feel anybody is entitled to a response from me, but you know, for my own edification, I'm happy to engage because I am in a growth space. And I feel like these com this conversation or these conversations that we've been having mm -hmm. have really promoted um, a reflective space in which I feel like I'm finally metabolizing some of the influence racism has contributed to my life mm. right and i feel like and i feel more liberated for having these conversations um 
because you know, like we didn't enter it into lightly, enter it into it lightly, and people generally don't, right? So that feels unlike anything that I've ever seen other people do outside of like a training experience. Um, but this kind of intimative experience of like naming our own stuff to each other and naming stuff for, for each other, I think has felt um, liberating because it feels like a new pattern. One that I wanna to continue to do just generally in my life in other spaces. So how does that land for you? All right, let me take a deep breath. <laughs> okay. So how does that land for you? Um, it's, I'm going to start by saying it's a continued sense of liberation hearing you say all of that. To hold, hold the space for you. And I also want to acknowledge that when you ask me, how does it land for you? I recognize in the spirit of continued reflection and, and authenticity that I tend to make everything about myself. So I, I want to reflect and, and say, and I'm not doing this just so it's not about me, but what I, it, it landed, on me, like watching, because this is a Zoom call, everyone, even though you just hear, we see each other as we're talking. Yeah. Watching you say that, I was just, uh, I don't even know how, this is the other thing I'm realizing, I don't know how to tap into how it feels, things feel, and, um, and how things show up in my body. So let me, let me try to do this. I watched you and and listened to you and felt, I, th I think the thing that resonates with me is wanting to figure out how we change the ratio of space. And you saying that, I felt is, I just feel really grateful that you've named that because it is, it, it, it is how I feel we share the space. Um, I've been uncomfortable with it and I haven't named it because I don't, I was hoping it wasn't true, <laughs> I think. And um, so I'm, I, you know what I'm avoiding saying because it sounds so trite and condescending is I'm so proud of you. I, I feel, I hate when people say that in general, but there, there was a sense of, as I feel closer to you as a friend, hearing you say all of that, I'm like, this is why I want to be your friend. Um, and so I don't know if proud is the word, but I think just recognizing the risk you took and sharing everything you shared. Proud makes me feel a little icky. Yeah, no, it makes me feel icky. I said it out loud. Yeah. But recognizing it, and then I said, and I'm like, oh, yeah, it still feels icky, even though I did the, the, um. I think you need to find another word. I need to find another word. Yeah. Uh, I 
I'm gonna be honest with you. Yeah, go. I think you admire me. Yes. Yes. Why can't I say that word? Why didn't that come to me? Is it because you're a white man? Yeah, no, no, no. It was a rhetorical. Smarter than everybody? Yeah. And you don't have, you haven't developed the tits to say what things that I have said? Yeah. I say tits instead of balls. Just <laughs> so <you know>. Appreciate <laughs> it. They're twice as good. Okay. Um, but like the reason, so like I feel like there's a piece where for me, I don't know, like I'm not. I don't know. It, you know, it kind of goes back to the one of the first conversations where I feel like I don't know what it, what what I have to lose with you, right? Because you know what yeah. I mean. Yeah, um, I want to I want to sit with the admire and the not having the tits because <laughs> um, that's why proud felt so icky mm. because I didn't take any ownership of how you are impacting me and like how I look up to you, but that is the truth. I, re I look up to you and, and it kind of ties to my feeling of like not being as great as I thought I was or I've been led to believe I was. And you're absolutely right. You saying admire, that rings more true than anything else. Um, and my not being able to say it, I have no doubt is because I don't even know how to acknowledge that. Mm -hmm. So, um, and, and that brings up a lot for me um, in terms of how, a, how you can have a friendship as we look to have a cross-racial friendship and more authentic. What, so then I ask you the question that some of your friends are asking you is, how do you have a friendship with someone that has that white superiority complex? Well, you know, <laughs> well, I have friends who are white, right? Like, it's hard. It's not hard. They're further along maybe in, the, in their, their thinking or in their ex personal exploration of their own white supremacy and societal white supremacy. Um, but I think for me, it's, this is really about me. It's, do you know what I mean? Like it's about you, but it's really about me. Like me engaging is about me. Like yeah. you are secondary and peripheral to this conversation. Right. Um, because I feel like I genuinely feel like um, this is about more than just a friendship and whether we can go to barbecues right. together. Right. Or like be in the park and like do, do couple dates or whatever. Like right. to me, this is about, um, this is about my own recognizing of what's getting in the way generally in being in these, um, racially integrated spaces. Yeah. Right. And having a bolder, What's the word I'm looking for? I want to have a more authentic life, period. Right. And I want to, if we really are equal, if we really are valuing of our differences, like how do we engage with not an expectation that I enter the room on my knees? and stay there. 
And how do we name the hard stuff that's historical and um, present, but barely acknowledged? Yeah, so like for me, the work is far deeper than just a relationship with you. Yeah. But I will say that I'm glad that, you know, you're, you're sticking in it and, and engaging in it. But I, I, I almost want for you, Jason, to like enter these, I'm, and I think you do, but I don't, but I don't think you fully do. So like I, it would be for me to say to, like it would, I would feel it would be more valuable for you to enter in all spaces in a learner stance and not a leader stance, which I think you feel um, is who you is who you are. Leader. A leader. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I think the I think racial humility really requires you to be in a learner stance. Yeah. So that you're actively engaged in and not, you know, on the on some platform performing whiteness. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're you're in a learner stance, or at least you have a little bit of cultural humility, racial humility, to like be consciously in the space gathering translating it for yourself and like more actively engaged because i think the white autopilot in all of us yeah you know is is just causing us self-harm What are you taking away from all of this today? I feel a little, um, I feel, I feel a little energized about I don't, I don't know what it, what it is that I feel, but I, f I feel momentum. I feel movement and within myself, um, and so I guess I want to, I want to cherish that. I want to, I want to take that with me. I want to cherish that. And I want to take a look at it to see how I, how I grow that. Maybe even check in with a, a couple of other folks to see how they're feeling about it. It's particularly as people of color who might be listening to the show and, and seeing where, where they end. I guess I have a real desire to hear more from people of color who are um, hearing me. I'm so, I, I actually feel a little bad about crying a little bit. <laughs> but like, I, I'll get over it. I'll get over it because I don't listen to the, to the recording. So I don't really have to deal with it. Sorry, everybody. Um, but um, how about you? What are you taking from it? I'm taking... You know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to say, take what you said and say, I feel momentum too. I feel movement. And the, and what's interesting to me is the, one of the last things you said about me taking a learner, like showing up as a learner and encouraging me to do that. Um, 
in every white supremacist context is a step backwards. And yet I feel that direction feels like a step forward. Like I, I it feels like a genuine, like, um, yeah, like a move in the right direction. And again, it just, it shows me that everything I was taught to be successful is the opposite of what I need to be fully human and to be in a relationship with someone that I really care about. Um, so, and I know I'm taking away also just how much I need to work on connecting to my body and also connecting to listening in a way that um, I can connect to at, on an emotional, at an emotional level, not just at a theoretical, like in my head. Um, so I'm Can I add this one little thing? Yeah. Like I feel like a lot of my emotion and tears and even like righteous rage, yeah. well actually all rage is right, righteous, but like is derived from a pain that is deeper than you will ever know as a white man. Mm. And I want you to connect with the idea that part of that pain is because of you. And when I say you, whiteness and maleness and full dominance. And so when you're thinking about emotions about that, think about that too. Thank you, yeah. Um. Can we take on the, um, 50 50 like what it what does it mean to be in an equitable and i'm going to say maybe not even 50 50 but like 60 40 right. because you have 400 years right. of having 100 right and so what would it look like to like have an equitable relationship yeah cross-racial i i'm let's do it um so that's what we'll do next time. That's what we'll talk about yeah. next time with that. And maybe we'll start with you. I don't know. <laughs> but I will happily go first, um, start that conversation. So everyone, thank you so much for listening. We know this was a longer conversation, but we thought it was important. As it went on, it seemed silly to try and um, limit the time that we were. Yeah diving into this. Um, if you are listening on iTunes, we encourage you to rate, rate the podcast and write a review. If, um, I mean, I guess only if you like it, <laughs> 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 only rate it. If it's like a four or five stars. I'm kidding. Um, but, and, and I think to your point, Eva, we do have a Facebook page in pursuit of cross racial friendship where you can write, write some comments, write, we, we definitely want to engage with people. And I think, Eva, you, you showed how much it can inform our conversations when we hear from. Oh yeah, it's totally lifting me up in, in just amazing ways. So you could be part of the conversation. Call yeah. us out, name what you hear. <laughs> exactly. So thank Ask you us a question. Ask us a question. Um, but thank you all for listening. Eva, any last thoughts? No, I just, um, 
I'm glad we gave each other space. Yeah, thank you for that.